0: So, the Nicene Creed, um, written 1,700 years ago to help um, believers um, to have a clear uh, understanding of who God is, Father, Son, and Spirit, in an era where there were all kinds of ideas and heresies coming against the church. It's no different, really, today, we've been saying over the weeks, uh, and really the twofold purpose for us as we approach uh, this short teaching series is, is, first of all, to help us grow Immaturity as disciples of Jesus, that's the main thing we can give ourselves to. Uh, If we do that alone, we'll change the world, brothers and sisters. Uh, And secondly, uh, as we work through this creed and the scriptures behind it, to help us grow in confidence in sharing our faith uh, in a Jesus who we can believe in, in our era and our generation. So uh, it's great to hear some of you trying to learn and memorize, stick these cards up around your home, uh, learning and memorizing the Creed. There are some more outside if you've not picked one up yet. Great to hear of some small groups talking, going through it. Uh, Good to hear of some families talking with their kids at the breakfast table. Good to hear some of the question and answer stuff, and we'll do something slightly different this morning as well in a moment, is helpful. Great to hear as well of some of you sharing your faith with people that don't yet know Jesus, and we pray for more of all of those things. Um, We've just had three sections over the last three Sundays looking at the identity of Jesus in the creed. Uh, And um, last week, as Joe opened that up, we began to see not only the identity of Jesus, but something of his mission as well, where Joe touched on uh, the phrase, for us and for our salvation. Uh, This week, we move to the section in the creed right at the center where it says, For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. Turn with me to Mark's Gospel. I'm just going to read some scriptures. They may be very familiar to some of you, and perhaps not so to others. Mark 15. Early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders and the teachers of the law and the whole Sanhedrin reached a decision. They bound Jesus, led him away, and turned him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. Yes, it's as you say, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things, so Pilate asked him again, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they're accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now, it was the custom of the feast to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the Insurrectionists, who I always thought would be a good name for a band, Barabbas and the Insurrectionists. Um, Maybe a punk band or something. Um, Barabbas, who had committed murder in the uprising, the crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release you, the king of the Jews? asked Pilate, knowing it was out of envy that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. I think in Matthew's version it says he got a bowl of water and he washed his hands. Symbolic act of washing his hands of Jesus. A little further on, we'll pick up the story in verse 22. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And there they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. Verse 33, At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. One man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone, let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Down to verse 42, it was preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph brought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen and placed it in a tomb, cut out of the rock, and then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Lord Jesus, we come to the one we've been singing and worshipping about this morning. We invite you right now by your spirit to help us as we dig into these scriptures, to speak to us. May we shape our lives around this glorious gospel. And may many, many people around us in this town and beyond come to know of this beautiful Jesus who gave up his life for us. Amen. Just tell me as well, as well, perhaps, to Philippians 2. I was just thinking about this when uh, Mark apologised for upsetting the theologians. I, th- I think you were quite scriptural, Mark. Where are you? Quite scriptural. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Philippians 2, verse 5 and 6. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, and being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself... Became obedient to death, even death on a cross, and therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. And perhaps just one more: Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. Paul is speaking about the gospel. He's reminding them of the gospel. Um, and telling them to hold firmly to it. In verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 15, for what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. And so on. It's of first importance that Jesus Christ was crucified, that he died. Uh, it's of first importance. We can't talk about the good news of the gospel without talking about the death and the suffering of Jesus Christ. Without that, it's not good news uh, at all. Um, we speak as well, and you'll see uh, next time we come to this. This week we have these three um, points here: that he crucified, he suffered death, and he was buried. If you look in the next part of the creed, next time I think Danny's going to pick this up. We have he rose, he ascended, he's seated. You, you you can't have the gospel without both of those aspects: the coming down of Jesus and the raising up of Jesus. That's why so many of the songs and the band have sung them this morning. Just pivot on this. Tipping point of, of going down into the grave and then the glorious raising up to life uh, and ascension into glory. That's why we're never tire of singing them because it's the full gospel. And here we have it uh, in the creed and in these passages that we've read this morning. Firstly, and I'll just go through these briefly before we do some discussion and then break bread together and pray to finish. Firstly, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. It's just worth mentioning Pilate. Um, somehow he makes the cut in the creed. He's the bad guy. Uh, We've got Father, Son and Spirit and we've got Mary, the mother of Jesus in the creed. You you expect them to make the cut. But somehow Pilate gets in there uh, as well. The Roman governor of Judea, AD 26 to 36. He he roots these beliefs that we say we believe in history for us. Um, You and I, as we talk with friends and work colleagues and uh, friends at school and college, uh, that don't know Jesus will talk with people who simply don't believe that Jesus really existed, uh, that the story is in any way true. This, these scriptures teach us and the presence of Pilate reminds us this is not some kind of allegory. Jesus really did die. It's not a myth. Or a fairy tale, the suffering and the death of Jesus at the hands of Pilate is grounded in historical record and fact. It happened at a definite time and a definite place. Pilate is our witness, if you like. He stands for us. He represents the watching crowds who saw Jesus suffer and die on that day. If you were there on that day in Jerusalem, in the crowds, you would have had no doubt. If people had said, oh, Jesus didn't really exist, you'd have said, what? There, We saw him. If you'd have said Jesus didn't really die, you just said, "Hey, what? We saw him suffer and die on the cross." The, the presence of Pilate as a kind of witness for us, rooted in history, helps us to, to confidently share the good news about Jesus with those who may say, oh, "I'm not sure it really happened." Pilate represents us in another way as well. He represents all of us who, at some point, have rejected. Jesus. I know many in this room will have come from rejecting to receiving Christ, although there may be still some that, like Pilate, have said, I have washed my hand of this man and his claims. Pilate, in this creed, is the man that we all once were. He he rejected the Christ who had come for us, for our sakes. Jesus was rejected by his generation, even by his family, even by the Jews and the leaders of his generation, even by his disciples who ran away. At the last, and abandoned him. Jesus really was the suffering servant rejected by sinful men and women, still rejected today by the multitudes around us who are unable to have our eyes open to see that for our sakes there was one who came and died for us. Pilate represents us. I think that's why he makes the cut. And he causes me to pray, Lord, would you open the eyes to the many who, like Pilate, are saying, I, I can't deal with this man and these claims right now. Would you open the eyes and the ears of people as we proclaim this truth about Jesus? So Pilate is there, and for our sake, Jesus was crucified. For our sakes, for us and our salvation, Joe said last week. More than just the fact that Jesus died, and that's important to note, as we said, but there's a significance about why Jesus died that changes absolutely everything. Um, Jesus died is a fact. The good news is that Jesus died for our sins. He died for my sins. Tony, as I look at you, he died for your sins as well as mine. Hallelujah. Um, We had a question last week, a good question, um, uh, in our Q&A. Is the creed... um, as it's spoken to believers, you know, we say we believe it's for us, but it doesn't really kind of go into detail on sin and repentance and our need for a savior. Therefore, is it a little bit kind of gospel light, this creed? I would say to you, no way is it gospel light, not here, not, not in, in this section, in the very heart of it. It's gospel deep, it's rich, uh, it's full, it's packed with gospel beauty. We are men and women who had rejected God, we'd gone our own way. The scriptures say we're like sheep that had gone astray and scattered. We turned our backs. We were arrogantly addicted to our sinful pride and a rebellion against the God who lovingly called us into relationship with him. And as a result, we were dead in our sins and our transgressions. We're outside of the promise. We're far away from the safety and the security of our loving Heavenly Father's house. And the Gospel shows us that for us, for our sakes, for our salvation, Jesus Christ was crucified, suffered death, and was buried. He took our place. He became as though we were uh, uh, he 's forever been the perfect, spotless, sinless, God of all glory. And yet he went through this exchange for our sakes, so Paul can rejoice 2 Corinthians 5:21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become. The righteousness of God. Come and join me, me and Tony in a hallelujah, please, at that point. Yeah. Wonderful. Hallelujah. We can be confident uh, as we come. Uh, this is where this, this creed leads us, to the death of Jesus for our sakes. It, it's rich. We can never say the gospel is just a surface thing. Oh, we're bored with that now. We've heard it. It's what C.S. Lewis in the Narnia Stories calls deep magic, and I hope it resonates in your heart this morning. Uh, it's worth noting as we pass through to the suffering of Jesus, that Jesus really did suffer death. He really did die. Again, there'll be people that say he didn't really die on the cross. Uh, He fainted through pain or exhaustion or went into some kind of coma. It's clear, uh, as Paul says, we read it earlier, according to the scriptures, Jesus died. We believe that with a sigh, Jesus gave up his spirit uh, and died. Um, To those who say he didn't die, we can say he really did and This death is loaded with significance. It's for our sakes, for our salvation. And this Jesus suffered on the cross at the hands of sinful men. Mark chapter 8, before Jesus goes to the cross. And uh, verse 31, Jesus uh, began to teach his disciples that the Son of Man, that's the name he gave for himself. Jesus began to teach his disciples that he must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and teachers of the law and that he must be killed, and after three days, rise again. He spoke plainly about these things. Peter didn't like what he heard. Jesus really was rejected. Jesus really did suffer in order to redeem us. Uh, When you get home, uh, you can look at the notes online later. Isaiah 53 is full of this prophetic promise written hundreds of years before Jesus about a beautiful suffering servant who is uh, familiar with our sufferings and our griefs. The New Testament writers were fully aware that the old prophecies about a suffering servant, about a suffering Messiah who would come, they were fully aware that was speaking about Jesus Christ. By the time we get to Peter's uh, writings, 2 Peter uh, 2.21, uh, he picks up these Isaiah themes. He says, uh, "...to this you were called, this gospel, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth." When they hurled their insults at him, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted him to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you've been healed. If you know the Isaiah passage, you'll be familiar with these words. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. This is not pointless brutality and suffering on the cross. This is the beautiful way in which God was working out salvation for the world, opening up a way for Pilate and everyone else who've washed their hands of Jesus for our sakes, bearing our sins. And just two comments, perhaps, before we come to some discussion on this suffering of Jesus. And I guess they're kind of inward and outward. Um, inwardly, for my heart, that passage I've just run through very briefly there is Peter says, Let Jesus be the model for us when we are insulted, when we suffer. Verse 21 of, uh, of, of, that, of that chapter in Peter there says, we don't retaliate, we don't make a noise, we don't justify ourselves, we don't defend ourselves. We're like Jesus as he stood before Pilate. We don't kick back, we don't begin a protest, but we entrust ourselves to the one who judges justly. Um, we always relate to one another through the cross of Christ, and when we come to the cross of Christ, we come to one who suffered and died. We read from Philippians 2 earlier. Uh, That begins by saying, Let your attitude be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature with God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He made himself a servant. That passage finishes by saying, Therefore, because Jesus himself went down and suffered and humbled himself for us, therefore work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for God is at work in you. If, if you have any kind of sense of unfairness and struggle and suffering in your life and the, that, that need to defend yourself begins to kick in, hey, we're, we're commanded to follow in the suffering Saviour who invites us to share in his sufferings. We don't open our mouths to defend ourselves. We leave it to the Lord, to his vindication. We keep our hearts soft. We keep our hearts free from roots of bitterness and anger. We get to die in Jesus. We get to die to sin. We get to come with healed wounds to our loving shepherd. Hallelujah. Secondly, is suffering helpful for us as we share the good news of Jesus with those who've rejected him? Or those who say, I can't follow a God who, who sits in heaven while there's all this kind of suffering going on in the world. And I guess you've heard that, as I have, as we talk to friends. Hey, if that were true, I wouldn't follow such a God either. He'd be the kind of small God that would be worth washing our hands of like Pilate. But the Gospel teaches us that in the face of sin-soaked human suffering, we have a God who does know what it is to suffer We have a a suffering God who's, as Mark told us in the story, has entered the human race. He's come down into our pain. He's the God of the gospel who isn't just watching, uh, but has taken hold of the vulnerability and the misery of our humanity at its worst, who's come to live and suffer and die and even been buried amongst us. He's the God who knows. He's the God who's carried our infirmities. He's the God who's familiar with your griefs and my griefs. He's the God of heaven who's descended into our mess, who's come alongside us to suffer for our sakes. I think this is the most relevant message of the gospel, that we have such a saviour in such a suffering world. We don't need to hide it from the world, beloved, when we share about Jesus. We can just encourage people to look to the Jesus of the Bible. I could finish with some words on he is buried, but I think I'd I'd take a little bit longer over that. And so perhaps I can invite um, Malcolm and Nikki, Ken and Valentina, come and can we have a round of applause? Join them on the sofa. Join me on the sofa, please. What we wanted to do was just to have a model a little bit. We've been doing some question and answers after these uh, brief workings through some of the text behind the creed. It wasn't much of an applause, that really. I, I would. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's much better. And uh, this morning, just for a few minutes, we, we wanted to kind of model a bit of a small group discussion uh, before we, we break bread and pray For one another, these guys have kindly agreed to be, uh, you're a small group this morning. Uh, Don't know who's the leader. We haven't set it up much, um, but what we said is let's just do what we do uh, normally when we've opened up a few passages of scripture and then just begin to say, well, what do we think about that and how does that impact me? And it may be that it impacts different people in different ways. I don't know, but we're going to find out. Uh, I'm in a small group at the moment with Malcolm and Nikki, and normally when we've done a little bit of study together, I say, uh, Nikki's amazing at taking notes. Let me encourage you, when you study the Bible, take some notes. Normally I turn to Nick and say, uh, so Nicky, what have you noted down from that? So I don't know if you want to make it, Nicky, what, what have you noted down from that?
1: Yeah, um, my notes aren't that great, but anyway. Um, I think the thing that really hit me from something that, that Steve said was, um, he said the phrase um, that, that Jesus descended into our mess. And I was like, oh, wow, that's so true for me in my life. Um, made some super corkers in my life, big <laughs> mistakes, um, and done stuff wrong. And yet, yet Jesus descended into that and just completely transformed my life. And, and you think, oh, that's too big, because that's a, a proper corker of a mistake, but actually... It, his His blood is sufficient, and, and what he did on the cross is sufficient. So, no matter how how well we sang it earlier, yeah. the the depth of our sin, his love is greater. Yeah. And, um, yeah. That.
0: Yeah. That's great. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, and I think uh, obviously, if we were just following the creed, as I think this one's on. If we were just following the creed this morning, then we we'd be saying, Wow, Jesus suffered. He crucified. He, he died. He's been buried. And he's here with us in our mess. And that's a wonderful, you know, it's nice to know that he's gone through what we go through. But we can say the kind of things we are with, you've just expressed with Hope this morning, because we know what happens next in the story. Obviously, if you were reading the Creed for the very first time, you wouldn't know necessarily that Jesus has been raised to life by the power of God and has, has ascended into heaven and sent his Holy Spirit. So otherwise, there's no real comfort. If he's just a God that's died for us, that's lovely. It's very kind. But what does it do? What does it, it doesn't achieve anything. The fact that you can say, wow, I've committed all these caulkers, and yet, wow, he's, he's come alongside and pulled me out. I mean, that, I think that's what's so stunning about the gospel, isn't it? And what I hear in your voice as you express those things. So we, we kind of put the we, we made some assumptions that people know the end of the story, but it's probably just worth saying that, isn't it? Um, sorry, Mark, you are about to say some real wisdom on, on these things.
2: I, I really wasn't. Um, one, of, one of the things that probably hit me, and, and it does quite regularly, um, is uh, when we think about the suffering of Christ and I suppose for years, many years the, the focus in my mind was on, on the physical suffering so the physical, you know, what we see depicted maybe as we read in our minds um, through the crucifixion, through the, you know, when he was whipped and, you know, the crown of thorns we can see all that the physical, we can understand that, we can maybe grapple with that um, you know, like Watching the was it the film The Passion? Um, I, I've got it sat at home still in its wrapper because I don't think I could watch it yeah, again. I haven't watched it. You know, yet. Um, really powerful, incredibly emotive, all of those things. Um, and then what I come to is actually the the suffering was far far more than that. Um, a realization that actually what Jesus was doing on the cross it was about him forgiving my sin, um, and that was the stuff I've done, but it was before I was born, <laughs> he was dealing with it. And that means that's all the stuff that I haven't done yet that's wrong. All the stuff I haven't, you know, that hasn't happened yet that's wow. a mess. Yeah. And the realization that that wasn't just for me, but you know, okay, so it's for us guys here, but that's for all of you as well, and everyone else around here, and like throughout the nation, throughout the globe, everyone in eternity, everyone in time, the cross is such a pinnacle point, and the suffering, um, you know, his father, he couldn't look at him because of all of that sin on Jesus, ah. and he took that um, for me, and that sort of blows my mind a bit, the realisation that actually the physical suffering, I can sort of grasp and how awful that was, but actually having the sin of the entire throughout eternity world wow. on
0: Jesus. Yeah, amazing. Thank you. Yeah. What about you guys? What, what's uh, striking you this morning?
3: Well, I'm the film geek in the family, but I haven't actually seen The Passion. Um, but I think you have, haven't
0: you? Mm-hmm.
3: Do you want to make some comments on that?
4: Um, uh, well, <laughs> talking about films, uh, I'm about certificate 12 animation level. <laughs>
0: but, you know,
4: so you know, I just don't do violence and uh, somehow I did go to see passion and uh, I had to look away a lot and uh, as you say it, it, it displays what Christ uh, suffered but not to full extent we would never know what that separation from the father he'd been always with caused him so uh, I found it tremendously hard uh, to watch I looked away a lot. And I would say, yeah, it impacted me because I think it is personal. Uh, I think it's also that realization that our sin actually hurts Jesus on so many levels. Uh, And yeah, and unlike other things we hear in the world, unlike other perhaps religions who would. Would say, or oh, just get on with your pain, or disconnect yeah, from your true. pain, or you know, all the coping mechanisms as the world gives us. Perhaps for a little while, nothing really will deal with, with the pain permanently as Christ done yeah. uh, on the cross. And yeah, as, uh, as he says, uh, whom the sun sets free, is yeah. free indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Wow.
3: I mean, it's it's something that demands a response, isn't it? That's, I think, what hit me. Certainly when you draw through sort of Pilot into the story. uh, I I was thinking that Pilot, if you like, did the one thing that we actually don't have a right to do. He kind of washed his hands. He said, I'm not interested in this. I'll abdicate my decision on this to other people. And we can't do that, you know. when you're faced with the gospel, and this comes back to you, is the creed gospel light or not? Well, no, there's the gospel right yeah, in the heart. Yeah. Uh, are you going to respond to this? You know, is this your Lord and your Saviour hanging on the cross? Uh, you know, Pilate said, oh, "I'm not interested. I'll let other people make the call on this." Hey, we can't do that.
0: No, you know,
3: we, we can we we could dismiss Jesus as 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 a, as a as a lunatic, someone who was just a crazy man. We can. Uh, we have to accept him as the Son of God, but you can't just say, "Hey, uh, what you believe is okay. Because that's what we get in the world, isn't yeah, it? When yeah, you talk what about you believe, Jesus, yeah. people say, "Oh, well, what you believe yeah. is okay." Well, the power of what we've just been talking about—you can't have yeah. people coming to making different calls on this. Yeah. Jesus is who he says. Yeah,
0: yeah that's absolutely true, and uh, that's, uh, we've got time to talk some more. But in a moment, when we come to break bread. It it brings us to one of those decision moments, doesn't it? As we, the the bread symbolising the broken body of Jesus, the the wine representing his blood, and we get to come to a table and take Jesus. Um, And if if you have been thinking, do I or don't I? Even the act of coming to eat and drink is is a decision point of saying, I I do take Jesus. I participate in his death and his life today. And whether we're doing that as as disciples who love to respond in worship or whether we're taking it for the first time. That's the beauty of the communion table. It forces us past the, the pilot hand-washing point into a place of saying, well, I, one way or the other, I either walk away from the table and I don't take Jesus or I come to the table and I participate in, in this life of Jesus that was given for me. I think it's a really helpful, helpful point. Matt, were you poised there? with the? I was,
1: I was just going to say, I, I wrote in my notes while you were talking just a little phrase that hit me, um, which was just so much one so undeserving and i think that's the thing we didn't deserve what jesus did for us yeah. at all yeah. and there's nothing that we could do to make ourselves ready because he's just done it all yeah. and and it's completely him there's nothing of us my salvation is completely pinned on the cross and jesus and nothing that i can do you know i'm not good enough <laughs> yeah. and and it's it's all by that grace yeah. and um just nothing. In the last couple of days, I've just been reminded of a, a quote that I've got written in my Bible that says, um, if you ever put a price tag on yourself, it would have to read Jesus, because that's what God paid for you. And I think for me, that's, that's exactly what the cross is about. I, you know, somebody that's struggled with self-esteem and self-worth and stuff like that, and, and to realise that actually God valued me, and as you said, it's so personal... Um, values each one of us so much that he paid Jesus for us. it's just blows my mind.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
2: I mean, I think um, the other, the other thing that just you know keeps coming back is is the the centrality of of the cross. The cent- that it's you know it's the pinnacle point. Um, and however we look in in scripture, look at our lives in, in history, we have to. That is such a a massive pinnacle point. So everything before um, that, when we look at it now, we have to look at it in light of um, the cross, in light of what Jesus did. You know how we interpret stuff in Scripture, how we look at um, how we live our lives. You know it's based around that that moment where where forgiveness came, and um, you know how we step forward in everything. It's based around that that moment, and and I think. You know, yet we have to remind ourselves, like taking the, the bread and wine, um, we have to remind ourselves, this is like immensely important, um, what, what Jesus did yeah. at that point and how actually from, from there, you know, we can, we can just come and, and ask for forgiveness so many times and we have to again and again and again. And because of the cross, Jesus forgives. It's not even a question. It's not like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that now. Because that was really bad what you did. No, he forgives yeah. because of the cross. He can't change that. Yeah, you know, and, and it's such a an incredible central part. Um, you know, as we walk our, our Christian life.
0: Yeah. yeah, it really struck me um, as I uh, read some of the passages again this week. Exactly what you're saying there about how we view everything through the lens of, of this this key, this pinnacle of the gospel. It struck me how in so many of the passages that speak about the descent of Jesus to the cross, also speak about, therefore, you know, how we live. Um, and think, wow, of course, it's discipleship, isn't it? Hey, disciples, this is what Jesus did. You live the same way, whether it's towards one another, in terms of love, laying yourselves down. Or, uh, it was amazing, the Philippians passage, the, uh, the, the 1 Peter 2 passage, they, they, uh, they're in the middle of clear commands about how, how, we, how we lovingly submit and serve, forgive, uh, release one another because this Jesus has done exactly that for us, and uh, it, uh, you can't disconnect the two, can you? And I think often we do, um, but they really are massively connected. That's great, yeah. Where are you guys some more?
3: I, I think I'm struck by the fact that we talk about the importance, the significance of the cross, how Christ has done it all. That we can't bring anything to it, it's fully a work of God, and yet at the same time, in this kind of miraculous conundrum that seems to run all through scripture we're exalted to share in christ's sufferings you know well well, i can't share in his suffering he's done it all that's what we've just said um but and the only thought i can give on that is we're not distant from this you know this isn't just some abstract historical event that i look in and think i know my dates i know my 1066 and my 1939 and my 84 or something no this is a, this is something that, that's actually I'm involved in. I'm called to share yeah, in this. Right. I can't join with William Conqueror invading Hastings. You know, I'm not. Can't be there at the Battle of Britain. But but somehow I'm sharing in the suffering of Christ. Yeah. That for me is is, is a miracle. That, yeah. that again
0: a mystery that he's unlocking. Yeah, it does. That's great. Mm. So if if we were sat in a small group now and we were saying okay let's we're going to pray for the rest of the group we're going to pray for one another how would you, how would you pray now as we break bread in response to this what kind of things would you mm. be encouraging people to pray about or open up or mm. yeah, I help
4: think, us think, yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord help us <laughs> <laughs> yeah because it's just uh, it's just such a massive. Um, concept which we are on the journey of grasping really what Jesus really died for us and as you said um, uh, when we come to that table what he said to his disciples this is my body broken for you do this in remembrance of me Um, he clearly was saying what what is about to come that he will suffer his body will be broken and it is for us it is very personal it is for everybody it is for Pontius Pilate, yeah, for, yeah. for those who reject him. Um, but yet, uh, on the cross, he broke the power of, of sin. This is also another, another thing not to lose sight of, that sin no longer has power uh, over us. Even if we get it wrong, we can still come to the cross, ask for forgiveness. He takes that away. He takes all pain away. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, Tony brought wonderful scriptures. Jesus was walking the earth, healing the sick. On many occasions, well, it says he heals, healed them all. Uh, when uh, the Christ is, there is freedom. So as we come yeah. to the table, let's, uh, yeah. let's remember that.
0: Let's do that. So we're, we're going to wrap up here by coming to the table together. Take your time if you want to share uh, bread, uh, dip, or drink. Share with one another, pray with one another. If, you, if you're sick and you want to be prayed for for healing and didn't get a chance earlier, just receive some prayer. Uh, again, if there are things you need to put right. Uh, but let's come and meditate on these, uh, these truths about the, the, the suffering, the death and the burial of Jesus that we've meditated on, on this morning. Um, can we stand together? Now, can you happy just to pray for us and then just begin to come to the table?
2: Heavenly Father, just thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you did. Thank you that you did it for every single person here. You went to the cross. You you took on um, our sin and shame. You took on the punishment that we so richly and so rightly deserved. Lord, you took it all on the cross. And um, as we come now, uh, this morning, Lord, as we break this bread, as we remember those moments, as we remember those things. Lord, we ask for an encounter with you, an encounter with the Holy Spirit, that we will really understand what it meant for you to be separated from the Father, what it meant for you to die on that cross in our place, to take away all sin, to take it completely away. You you broke the chains, every chain. You broke the power of sin. You did that on the cross for us. And Lord, we ask right now that you would come and impact our lives, that you come and set us free. Lord, you would come. Lord, it says in your word, Lord, that, that by your wounds we are healed, by those stripes we are healed. And Lord, we declare healing over this place today. Lord, we declare healing physically, emotionally, spiritually. Lord, for physical ailments to be healed, Lord, for spiritual stuff to be dealt with right now this morning as we break bread together. Lord, I thank you that you promise. Lord, you promise in your word to forgive as we confess now before you. Lord, I'm sorry for the stuff I've done wrong. Lord, I'm sorry for not putting you first, putting you in your rightful place. Lord, we declare freedom today. Lord, we say thank you. Lord, come have your way amongst us now as we break bread together. Amen.